All right, man. It's been a couple of weeks. I saw your pictures from Disneyland. And Jeff Erickson was saying you went to Disney World. He was trying to allege, I think it was Jeff Erickson, that you went to Disney World. And I was surprised by that because I was like, that's Florida. It's pretty far. But you went to Disneyland, it turns out. Yeah, Disneyland's only like a four and a half hour drive. Uh, four and a half hour drive there, six and a half hour drive back because of the LA traffic. But um, no, definitely Disneyland. And we actually lucked out. It was still limited capacity, yet the mask mandate had been lifted. So that part was pretty good. Um, it was definitely more stressful than it was uh, fun, even though I'm like a little kid and I enjoyed riding the rides. And my daughter, it was her first time there. We were originally scheduled to go two Aprils ago. But the obviously pandemic hit, so she's eight, my son's four. It was great. Uh, she's a daredevil, and as expected, she went on absolutely everything she could. Although the Tower of Terror did make her cry. That's one that drops really <laughs> fast. So yeah. one did get to her. And then my son, who's four, is a mama's boy, a wuss. I didn't think he'd go on anything. He went on everything he was tall enough to, which unfortunately meant Space Mountain. And boy, my wife held on to him so hard. We, we felt like the worst parents ever. That ride is faster than I remember. This uh-huh. kid is like the eighth percentile in weight. You know, he should uh-huh. not have been on this ride. Even though flown he off easily. Oh, oh, yeah. He, I mean, there was no crying like Chloe. Yeah. This was silence, which scared us even more. Because, serious, like, oh, please, yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude, my wife and I felt so bad. And then everyone who wrote it afterward, like, you're a terrible parent to bring in a four-year-old on that. But anyway, my wife's uh, a couple of her family members went, too. So it was a big group. I have some buddies in LA who were upset at me for not saying hello. It was just, it flew by four days, you know, a family trip. First of all, we don't really do that that often. So I need a vacation from my vacation. Is of course. What I'm saying. Sounds like I hell. Think, yeah. I mean, I hear you. I hear you, but honestly, it was great weather and uh, it all went, and it was uh, whatever the hotel had this water slide and it was, it was nice. And it was, the kids absolutely loved it. And so many disasters could go wrong. Car rides, you know, kids screaming and it was kind of minimal. So honestly, I'm just glad we did it. So what about you? Are you going on vacation actually next week too? No, I'm not going on vacation. I'm, we're not going to have a podcast next week because I'm traveling to the U.S. and it's just right, going to be too right. hectic, you know, for the international travel right. for a month. I don't, I just can't deal with editing it and squeezing sure. that into the week. So this is going to be a little bit longer. Also, sorry that it's going to be every two weeks just for this month, but uh, we'll be back to weekly, uh, you know, in July and mid-July. And then actually in Vegas, though, I don't know how we're going to do it either. So, uh, you know, it might be a couple of weeks, but, you know, you'll have the every week podcast, um, but we'll, we'll make this one a robust one. Uh, disappointing to see that you ducked me and beat Chrysalis 1 NFL. Uh-huh. Use the excuse that you're on the vacation, but a real man obviously would have just drafted by his phone on the roller coaster. What was the one that made Chloe cry? Uh, the Tower of Terror. It's like Gardens of the Galaxy is what it is now, but the Terror in California Adventure that drops. Yeah, real man is drafting on the Tower of Terror. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's not an excuse. A couple of things. First of all, the real truth is you, you totally avoided me because I told you I'm going to be gone. I'm sitting, I, I have so much, uh, way freedom as far as uh, timing wise, except these three days specifically in which you decide to, uh, to schedule the draft. So you got a lot of likes actually too, on that tweet about me. I should a uh, real man drafts on a, on a roller coaster. Yeah. I saw that. Obviously people know the truth. All right. So let's talk about this draft. Let's talk about this yeah. draft. We'll talk a little baseball and then, uh, talk about all the crazy shit going on in the world after that. But I picked fifth and I wanted Jonathan Taylor and I telegraphed it on the air. Most people take Henry fourth. And so Jonathan Taylor goes fifth usually, but of course somebody took him at four. And so then I was stuck. So I brought on Andy Barron's on, on the Tuesday of the draft, the day of the draft. And I told them my dilemma. I said, what if Taylor's gone? I mean, everyone's hearing the show there. A lot of the people who sign up for the league are listeners he said, you know what? Uh, the guy with the biggest upside is Barkley, and he's making the case for him. And, of course, he didn't have to make much of a case to convince me, a Giants fan, to take Barkley. 
So I did take Barkley. My other option was Elliott. I, I could have taken Zeke. I think Zeke is the floor pick there. But I just was like, I want to take Saquon, who could catch 80 passes and do everything. What do you think? I'm not going to argue against Saquon because you're kind of buying low and he's awesome. You know, he's one of the best running backs uh, the past five years or whatever went on the field. Um, but I personally have moved Zeke up to number two on my board. Wow, just look crazy. at how, just look at how good he was over the first month. I know he's going to turn 26, but he's reportedly showed up in really good shape. I kind of like him coming off a down year and um, man, it's the first month of the season. The targets were out of control. I think that offense is just going to score so many points and He's going to get all the touches. I mean, t- Tony Pollard is a nice uh, insurance, but I-, I moved up. I just like the situation. I-, I moved him up to number two on my board. But I, again, I won't, I won't argue against Barkley. Yeah, I mean, I actually think like the top six are all kind of equal. And if you, you could argue. really wanted to argue for Henry, I mean, I, yeah. I'm worried that he's going to fall off the cliff, but come on. I mean, that's just like speculation. Yeah. He had totally a lot agree. of carries, but he wasn't slowing down. He had 5.5 yards of carry or something crazy last year. Like it wasn't like, Oh yeah, we saw him in his decline year. And now he's done. No, not remotely. So oh. I'm not that in the first round, I'm taking it back in those first like six or seven picks. And I might even take Chubb and Harris too. Maybe even Eckler. I mean, the first 10 picks are backs for me, but I don't see that much separation between them. Yeah, that's totally fair. I personally won't end up with Kamara is the one guy I'm guessing just coming off the touchdown season and the different quarterback and people are willing to take him third in this trap, but he's the one guy I'm guessing that I'll pass on based on ADP. But yeah, I totally agree that tier. We're all arguing very close things as far as Henry, Jonathan Taylor. I, I mean, I like him too. And obviously cook. So, so yeah. Okay. Barkley. Okay, so I get Barkley. The way back, Edwards Hilaire goes right before me, who I find interesting. I think you're going to have to pay a mid-second round price by the time the season comes around because everyone knows if, if he's running back 1.1 1. 1 in 2022, is that going to surprise you at all? Not at all. I'm warming up to him. I moved him up to number 12 on my running back board. I think he's absolutely mid-second rounder. Um, he was going in the third. You could get him in best balls earlier, but yeah, this is where, yeah, one pick before you, that was disheartening because I do think there is actually a drop-off at running back there if you're worried about Gibson's toe, which, why could you not? Like, he'd be the one guy there. Personally, I think DeAndre Swift's, that's crazy that he he went one pick after you mid-second round. I'm on the Lions with that coaching staff, with Jared Goff, with his durability. I mean, I think Jamal Williams is actually kind of okay. He was good last year. He really yeah, changed his whole game and his body is good. So, uh, man, DeAndre Swift is the one guy that jumps out at me there like, no, no thank you. So, yeah, once Edwards Alaire went, and I, I wasn't sure I was going to take him, but I was definitely looking at him. I was like, okay, I'm taking a receiver because I, I am worried about the toe with Gibson a little bit. I could have taken Gibson yeah, there though. That's fair. Yeah. So it was either Hopkins, Ridley, or Jefferson for me. And uh, I, I was almost going to take Ridley. I mean, I really like was like, ah oh, man, Ridley's younger and he's going to get so many targets. But he's got a, he had foot surgery, man. I mean, it's like that's a thing. And Hopkins, I don't like Hopkins that much, but and he's 29, two and a half years older than Ridley but he's like a hall of fame receiver and hall of fame receivers at 29, almost never, unless they get hurt, fall off the cliff. Like, it's not like he's just a good receiver. He's not like Adam Thielen or someone like that. DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to end up in the hall of fame, I think. So he had 115 catches last year with no, you know, real training camp, get used to the offense, get rapport with the quarterback cold as a free agent. I mean, I think like his floor is like a hundred catches and healthy floor is like a hundred catches and 1200 yards and like six, seven touchdowns floor. Yeah. Yeah. Super safe. Like I said, better than, than, than safer than Swift for Who sure. I would go oh, easily Ridley or Jefferson. I would go the younger guys. Um, Ridley had 40 more air yards per game than the number two receiver last year. That was without 
I mean, well, Julio Jones, I don't know, basically uh, didn't play a, a ton either. But uh, I think, yeah, the foot surgery, though, you're right. Yeah, foot surgery. So I would say that's, that's not great. And, and Jefferson, and, Jefferson's going to regress some, too. But, I mean, those those two, the younger guys. I mean, Hopkins had so many targets in the touchdown upside wasn't there. But you could also say Kyler Murray's fall off was directly related to that shoulder injury oh, yeah. the whole second half. Yeah, I agree. I, I think with Ridley, the air yards, air yards are good if there's like some guy who you're like, oh, Mike Williams had a lot of air yards. I guess they're trying to get it to him. They just didn't succeed a few times. But when you're, when you know the guy's getting 160 targets, I don't think air yards really help because you're like, I know he gets a lot of targets. I know he gets a lot of downfield targets because he led the league in a dot. I mean, he makes a lot of big plays. I think it's double counting to say, let's move him up because of air yards. I think he is where he is because of the air yards already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just no running back. Maybe Mike Davis, but I mean, uh, I, and I, I, I get Pitts, uh, but man, no Julio and no one else. Oh, he's gonna there. have a huge target share. Huge beatable defense and in Dome and Ryan's really good. I mean, that's it's a good. And it, you know, people say, oh well, he might fall off because Julio's not there, but he did most of his damage last year when Julio was out. So I think he no. mostly answered that question. So I'm not worried about that. It's just the foot. If his foot were healthy, I would have taken him. It wasn't. I took Hopkins. I like Jefferson too. It was very close, but Hopkins, I just think the hundred catches are in the bag and it could be 120 or something crazy. Okay. So round three, I take Terry McLaurin. I could have taken, I, I, I was one pick after Pat Mahomes. So I didn't have him. I was thinking about him, but I could have taken Kittle, your guy. I could have taken Allen Robinson. I could have taken ETN. I could have taken, that's pretty much it that I would have thought about. Yeah. Easy McLaurin for me here. Um, I, working out with Doug Baldwin this offseason. No, he battled two high ankle sprains last year. Way better quarterback. He's the real deal. I love, love him. Uh, no, no argument there. That's an easy one for me. Okay. Like it. So I got Barkley Hopkins McLaurin round four. I was looking at Josh Allen. I don't know if I would have taken him, but I was like, okay, this is sort of the no man's land for me where I don't love anybody at the price. So I took Cooper cup who I think you and I both talked about and that you like him too. Yeah. I like him. As, uh, he's uh, this knee injury is something to pay attention to, but um, yeah, way better quarterback. And he's like two years younger than Robert Woods. I'm with you though. And Josh Allen though, man, I moved him to my number one QB. He's such a good situation that they kept able there and they just throw it so often. He, he rushes for eight to 10 touchdowns every is yeah. going to every year too. So yeah, I, yeah, I would have considered him there even in a one quarterback league around four. The only reason I have Mahomes ahead of him is because Josh Allen might be as good as he was last year, but we know Mahomes is as good as he was last year. Josh Allen might be, if he does it again, then I think Josh Allen should be number one in 2022 because the, as you said, the rushing, right. And then we know he's established it for two years, but with one year I could see him kind of just being okay. And then you're like, Oh, (laughs) Mahomes, him ahead of Mahomes. I can't believe it. I will say this. I will say one guy I'm kind of warming up to, and you can call me crazy because it probably will look foolish, but is the guy who went right after you, David Montgomery. I'm almost willing to put him up in that, in that tier. Um, I know that Tariq Cohen was out last year and maybe even fields did some rushing touchdowns, but he had an easy schedule the second half, but he was really, really good. I mean, he was a full blown workhorse. Like you were using him in DFS. Like you were just banking on 25 touches young. He got faster before the off season. And who, who really else is there? Uh, Damian Williams, I guess he set out the season, but I don't know. I could see a big improvement at quarterback and David Montgomery actually getting that three down role. Uh, even if he loses some receptions, but talk me, tell me I'm crazy. Cause I hated Dave Montgomery before he went off against the soft schedule in the second half last year. Yeah, I, that was the other guy. It was Cupper Montgomery, actually. He went right after me because Montgomery is the best of the reigning backs. I mean, Javante Williams went next. Yeah. I don't know if Melvin yes. Gordon's going to start. Chris Carson is, like, fragile, and, you know, he doesn't catch a lot of passes. And then 
I don't know. It was just and then there was a couple around gap for the next back. So it was right. Montgomery or Cup because I like Cup best among the receivers, and I wasn't going to take the tight ends then. So uh, that's fine. I could have taken him, but I, I was like, okay, I want Cup. I want Hopkins, McLaurin, Cup. If those guys are healthy, like that's just a great trio of receivers, and then I have Barkley. Okay, so round five comes. Your boy Hawkinson goes one pick before mm-hmm. me, and I think okay, the tight ends are going to start now. And I don't like Galladay who went next. Jamar Chase might be really good, but there's three guys there. Lockett, I don't love. Juju, I don't like at all. Beckham, I, I love the guy, but no way I'm taking him there. The best receiver on my board at that point was DJ Chark. But I said, all right, I'm going to take Mark Andrews. Chark usually falls to the next round. Okay, take Mark Andrews. I think Mark Andrews is going to catch like eight or nine touchdowns. Mark Andrews is at a pace as a tight end, like Hall of Fame level pace. Like every year he's really good. And tight ends usually take like three, four years to get good. And he's been good from the outset. And he's Lamar Jackson's favorite target. Yeah. I, okay. So it's funny. You go back to back tight ends here. I would have taken Brandon. Ayuk. call me a homer, but I think he's the next star receiver. I think he's going to go higher than Kittle in fantasy drafts next year. Um, Kittle is this always good to miss three, four games. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I definitely would take Darren Waller ahead of him and I can see the argument for Hawkinson and Pitts. I'd actually take your next round Pitts ahead of Mark Andrews. So I think you're going to re- regret Passing up Ayuk, um, but yeah, Andrews is a nice well, touchdown. You got to remember, I really did I not think Pitts would. Be, well, I didn't think yeah. Pitts would be there. No, I would have taken a receiver, oh, but I, I thought I thought Chark was going to be there, who was my top guy, and I definitely didn't think Pitts, who's going in the fourth round, would be there. But I have Andrews at, at four, and Pitts at five, and Hawkinson at six, and they're close. And I was like, all right, Andrews, my top tight end. I, I think I can get Chark in the next round. I'll take him. All of a sudden, Pitts falls to me, and I'm like, holy shit! First of all, not only did I not get Chark. But I got a fourth round tight end that who doesn't want to own Kyle Pitts at a discount. So I took him. Who would you have taken there if you were me? Oh, no, it's six there after taking uh, Pitts. Fine. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with doubling up there. I think this is going to go crazy. Yeah, Yeah. I'm okay with Yeah, no, no, I'm good with that. No, no, who else? Uh, They're all stabs in the dark, kind of like the Edmonds, Michael Carters. I mean, you can talk yourself into them, but yeah, I I know. I mean, imagine taking like James Robinson or. Or uh, especially your next three rounds. No, especially your next three rounds are all the same. You could take all those guys at at that exact time. I mean, uh, I love the next three. Your your next, yeah. yeah, Then then I'm going to be critical, but but go with the next. But uh, yeah, imagine taking like Mike Davis out of Kyle Pitts. I understand it could work, but like you're talking about the generational tight end of all time in a great situation, and you're going to take like some middling back because you're worried about filling that second back slot. That's cowardice, dude. Kyle Pitts can get 15 touchdowns. Randy Moss had 17 touchdowns as a rookie. This guy could be Randy Moss. I mean, who knows, right? It's just crazy. So there's no Brown. I was like, I was like, okay, fine. I'll take it. And then round seven, I took your guy sermon who I was hoping yeah. would fall. Cause I needed a second running back and who the hell knows. I was going to take Mostert in the eighth, but he went at the seven, eight turn. Yeah. I mean, guys like uh, James Robinson and Melvin Gordon and Fournette went ahead of him. I love Mostert and a lot of chatter actually today is breaking because uh, basically beat writers saying that Mostert's clearly the guy. And I agree with that, but there isn't a player in the NFL who is more likely to get injured than than Mostert. He sprained that same knee twice last year. He missed all of OTAs with the same, like he re-sprained that same knee. This guy sprained his knee ligaments like people sprain their ankles. Um, And and Sermon just impressed everyone with his pass catching and his protection, all the stuff that matters as far as like playing time. So yeah, that ups, I love the upside of sermon there to me. He's just a, a similar tier of all the backs that went, you know, in that, in that 15 pick range. I love Mostert, by the way, a lot of upside, but the guy cannot stay healthy and he's 29 years old with 280 career carries. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's not feasible. He's going to stay healthy. Yeah. And it's a 17 game season and they're going to split it up anyway. So anyway, sermon was a no brainer for me. 
Then my next pick, I got stuck. I just didn't really know who I wanted. And I got kind of stuck and the clock was ticking. And I was like, I just didn't feel like taking the Curtis Samuel, Brandon Cooks, Antonio Brown. It was probably Landry was my next. So I just was like, all right, fine. I'll take my top QB left. So I took Jalen Hurts. You like Hurts? I love him. I can't. Yeah, that that's that's yes. I like him there quite a bit. I understand. I understand that it is a six point per TD pass, but um, someone even asked me on Twitter today. Can someone explain Jalen Hurts to me? We saw one good game against him and the dude, my responded, he had 1300 rushing yards, 20 rushing touchdowns his last year in college. Right. Number six, number six in fantasy points per drop back last year as a rookie. So yeah, I mean, it's just the, 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 the rushing, the, the, and they got Tom, whatever and the they code got- is. Konami code and they got, they got Devonta Smith, you know, they just added first round top 10 pick should be a lot better. Oh, I mean, what you got him in round eight when Kyler Murray has in round five. I think those guys are are 50, 50 who has a better fantasy season. I'd still take Murray, but yeah. Okay. So got hurts. Then the way back I took hurts cost me uh, Antonio Brown, who I, I really like, I I think Antonio Brown, there's like this 25% chance. He's just the same guy. He's only 32 and, those small skinny guys don't really age that badly. And that like Evans and Godwin, one of them will get hurt or whatever. And Brown is just going to be a monster, but whatever. I, I had to make a choice. So I took uh hurts on the way back. I took AJ Dillon because I still only had Barkley. Who's coming into the season banged up at sermon. who's not even starting. I needed running backs. So I took Dylan. What do you like? Do you think about Dylan there? Yeah. A lot of that said, no Jamal Williams, uh, Aaron Jones, past injury history. If, if yeah, Rogers comes back, um, yeah, as top five game league winner type upside. I do. I'm with you on Antonio Brown. Actually, I have him ranked 29th. His ECR is really like 40. High. His ECR is like 48th. Yeah, but I'm like 37. Like I'll get him all, too because I'm in 37. Unless you and I are in the same league, then I won't. All but. the all the games they played together, he was just right there with Evans and Godwin. And Brady loves him. Absolutely right. loves and, him. And I think he was second actually in the league in targets per route run and all right. in all of football last year. And now he's. Why well, wouldn't Brady love him? This guy's one of the greatest receivers of all time. And in 32, that's old, but it's not old for a 5185 pound guy who took a year off it's just he's kind of like a late prime almost it's like he's going to have that one last amazing year if he doesn't you know do something crazy like between now and start of the year and, and, and brady i think led the league or he was second to russell wilson in, in end zone targets they just throw the ball like crazy yeah, yeah. down there and there's also upside we always talk about aj Dillon. what about if you draft antonio brown and chris godwin and or mike evans get hurt which they do every year you know i mean then you're looking at way crazy upside so totally with you on ab even though he's a crazy human being i mean yeah. he could you know he could be out of the league soon too yeah. i mean he's obviously volatile and i for a while there i thought he was definitely out of the league but it looks like I think he's underrated in fantasy. You should get Deshaun Watson and AJ Brown and Antonio Brown in every single league. Yeah. As yeah, yeah. it could be done or not. Uh, all right. Yeah. Then I take, then I need, I wanted one more back. And when I took Dylan, actually, when I took Kurtz, I was looking at Zach Moss. Cause that was the guy I was looking at. And I was like, Zach Moss is still recovering from a foot injury from last year. And I couldn't pull the trigger. And then round 10, I'm like, you know, Devin Singletary is top of the depth chart because Moss is still hurt. And Singletary's working on his speed. He caught 38 passes last year, believe it or not. And he had 5.1 yards per carry as a rookie, 4.4 last year. He's never been bad. I know touchdowns you can forget about because Josh Allen's going to get at least half and Moss or whoever, and Singletary's small. So, you know, maybe he gets four touchdowns. But I can see him catching, like, if Moss is hurt and he's not really right, I can see Singletary being the starter, getting like 1,000 yards, 45 catches, you know, four touchdowns, and like that you know, I'm going to need that for bye weeks or when injuries hit. There's not AJ Dillon upside because even if Zach Moss got hurt, there's still Allen taking all the goal line right. scores. Yeah. But I did see a, 
Twitter picture of him looking totally jacked, Singletary. So he's put in the offseason work. My problem here is passing on Damian Harris, man. What a mistake. He could be the next star, man. I know he hasn't seen any targets, but when Mac Jones takes over, um, uh, yeah, I really like Damian Harris uh, on on the Patriots. That's your big mistake. That is your mistake. So I thought about him. I saw seven catches last year. I mean, it was just, or seven targets last year. So he's just not a pass. Highest yards per carry in Alabama history. Highest yards per carry. I I, I like him. Well, let's, let's talk about this. So he has, he didn't catch any passes. So I don't know, you know, maybe Caffrey caught plenty of passes when Cam was quarterback. It's not like, you know, Cam can't throw to a running back. So this guy caught no passes. Secondly, if Cam's the quarterback, no goal line. I mean, Cam got like 12 touchdowns last year. Belichick likes 10 blockers and and he'll just have Cam take it himself. So maybe Mac Jones wins that job. You're right. That would be a lot better, but James White is still there and Sony Michelle is still there. And Sony Michelle, you know, was a first round pick and actually isn't bad. He's just been hurt all the time. So I thought about it. I could see some upside, but I didn't see enough. Your target thing is totally fair because it's not just that Cam Newton didn't throw there. They threw to like the third most targets, the running backs last year, the Patriots. So it was not a thing, a function of that. Um, However, I'm just going to counter and say, Mac Jones is going to win that job sooner rather than later. And it will result in, in a bunch of goal line scores. I think their defense is underrated or offensive line. I think the coaching, and I think he runs away with the job and gets the majority of the carries, but in, in, in this and a full PPR, he gets dinged for sure. Do the Niners regret passing on Mac Jones? for uh for trey lance how much no of a uh, supporter are you really yeah. I mean, you just it's all been mac jones for you in this podcast <laughs> no i think they'll both be good i think i think they're both going to be improvements uh yeah I think they're both okay all right so I, you know you thought i should have taken harris but i i'm fine with singletary then i take trevor lawrence i i was i wanted to get brady singletary cost me brady that's who i was looking at Ooh. And then you took Singletary over Brady. Oh I man. Well, I had a quarterback. I oh a quarterback. yeah. But this is six point TT. I, know, yeah, I, I had a quarterback. I moved Brady right behind the seven rushers. One spot ahead of Justin Herbert, man. Herbert got 7.3 YPA and put up all his stats and under pressure, like really hard things. I could see a step back there. Brady has these three hall of famers and Gronk and OJ Howard coming back. And all they do is throw at the goal line. I'm tired of pushing back on the guy. I mean, maybe I'm overreacting to fading. Yeah, you're him, going the other way. I, I, no, I mean, I, I just, to me, he's the guy after the rushers. I mean, I have, I mean, that's so, yeah. Even at the quarterback oh man, yeah. Brady, if Brady's going in round 10 in these formats. How is that? I mean, I guess it's an age thing, but I mean, the guys, he's kind of, you know, that's interesting to me because winning the Super Bowl and then being Tom Brady and all. Yeah. No, I mean, he had 40 touchdowns last year, right? And it took yeah, him right. a while to get going, you know, but Gronk started getting involved in the Super Bowl. I mean, Joe you know, Burrow Bro- coming off a torn knee, Joe Burrow and a torn No, no, he's not ahead of Brady. He's not ahead of Brady. No, Brady's ahead of him, but, but I'll, I'll say this. Well, he, in this draft, Burrow, Burrow went earlier in this draft. Oh, he did? Oh, that's crazy. Uh-huh. But I'll say this about Brady. That's really sick is that, so we talked about Antonio Brown, right? And, and the Godwin and Evans are pro bowl level receivers right now. And they're in their prime. Evans is late prime, but Godwin's in his middle of his prime. So you got these three guys, but you realize Gronk is five months older than Travis Kelsey. They're the same age and Gronk is the best tight end of all time. And Kelsey's going in the first round. So we know that Gronk won't get 150 targets, but on a per target basis, Gronk might be as good as Kelsey and get like 90 targets. You might get like 90 Kelsey targets out of, and plenty of red zone. Like Gronk, I think is underdrafted, underrated. People don't realize he is the same age as Kelsey and he's completely healthy. It's not like, oh, well, Gronk's hurt. He's coming off. No, he did the whole season and the Super Bowl, and he's completely healthy. He's just completely fine. And he's coming in fresh, knowing the system, totally integrated in there. And he scored two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. I mean, 
I was going to say two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's Gronk, man. It's crazy. Like yeah. Gronk is it. So yeah, Brady, I, I sort of regret oh. that because, but you know, I, again, like I had a quarterback, I didn't, so I ended up taking Trevor Lawrence because Brady and Stafford went, those are my next two. And so I said, all right, I, I like, I like Lawrence. Yeah. Oh, oh, so hold on. Let me, let me circle, let me circle back real quick. Jetpack Gallego tweeted this. So props on the 11 games in which Antonio Brown was on the field last year, Chris Godwin, 78 targets. 78 yep. Mike Evans, 77 Antonio Brown, 76. Right. No, I mean, their ADPs are like their ADPs are totally like ones in the top 15, the others top 20 and the others in the fifties. It's, it's crazy. So that's, it, yeah, that's why I'm not going to get Evans and Godwin because I just think it, it's their price is like one number one and two receivers, but they're number one, two, and three. They're three receivers. They're in Gronk. And they don't throw that much to the backs, but they do throw occasionally to Fournette. And, and now Gio Bernard's there. It's ridiculous. Right, right. The options they have. All right. OJ so Howard. OJ Howard's like super I know. athletic. OJ Howard was like Hawkinson before Hawkinson. You know, he was like right, a right. top 15 right. pick. Okay. So I take Lawrence. I'm like, all right, I'm thin on receiver. I only have three receivers. So I take Corey Davis. I maybe should have taken rugs, actually, now that I'm looking at it. But I took Corey Davis because he got $37 million. And I feel like. What if Zach Wilson's good? He's supposed to be the number one receiver there. And he was good last year. Yeah. I could see a Robbie Anderson situation being like, Oh, you overpaid for a receiver, but he was like PFF. He was like yards per route run. Corey Davis was top five. I know it helps to play action in Arthur Smith. And follow the money. It worked last year. These free agent signings actually worked, but um, everyone's going crazy about Elijah Moore. Um, I, I guess my, my argument here would be, uh, yeah, Henry Ruggs and McCole Hardman, I feel like it's getting a little bit too hated on with Sammy Watkins gone. What if Kelsey, who you just said is old, gets hurt or even Tyree kill. So uh, a little buzz about Hardman showing some improvement. Uh, Mario Puig pointed out to me on this keeper dynasty that we have, that he was expected to be slow starting NFL because he was like super raw, I guess right. in college when he was taken. So uh, Hardman was your mistake here. I mean, that's a league winner type number one wide yeah. receiver on the chiefs. Like, that that was your mistake here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I needed depth, right? I had three guys. Hardman could be a zero. Higher floor. And uh, the thing about Hardman, Pring, yeah, Pringle, Pringle could end up being better. Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah higher I mean, floor. Marcus Robinson sure. was getting snaps. I mean, Sammy Watkins. They yeah. never. It's been. It's not yeah. like it was a rookie year. It was the first two years. And the other thing about Hardman is like, yeah, he's raw, but maybe that's also just means he's not good. Like he's super fast. He can catch a deep ball and he can return a kick. But like is he good? Right. Like, you know, you look at these slow guys like Michael Thomas and Deandre Hopkins and Devonte Adams, who I hate, but they're good at football. They know how to play wide receiver. And so they're the best guys. And I was resisted that I was like, Oh, those guys are slow, you know, and they are slow, but you know, the opposite is also true. Like he's fast, but can he run a route? You know, is he, is he where he's supposed to be? He had a horrible super bowl, by the way, ball hit him in the head or whatever. He, he, yeah. he was like terrible in the super bowl. Like yeah, he, I'm I mean, aware. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah, so, I know, Corey Davis, I mean, who knows? Jack Wilson has looked good in Lafleur from the Niners. Maybe he does help that passing. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, ostensibly, okay. Corey Davis is the number one receiver on that team. I mean, maybe Elijah Moore turns out to be, but right now it's Corey Davis. All right, bye. I have to say I've never seen as much hype. Uh, maybe I'm, it's recently biased, but I can't quite remember as much hype as I've read about Elijah Moore. Like, it's unbelievable. The I read it for that one week of, like, minicamp. They're like, oh, my God, he's making a play everywhere. And it was, like, all over my Twitter feed. And we'll see. I mean, they were Van Jefferson last year. They were like, uh-huh. and in my predictions, I said, Van Jefferson will outscore Justin Jefferson. <laughs> that was one of the worst of all time. Not just one of my worst of all time. It's one of the worst of all time. All right, so, uh, in all of humanity, one of the worst. It's not even fantasy football related. Yeah, no, it's one of the worst yeah. predictions yeah. of all time, period. I, I love those, by the way, I love those tweets that are like, God damn it. I missed out on the Bitcoin bubble. Now it's at eight bucks. I missed out or something. <laughs> I love those uh-huh. tweets. It's like, dude, 
<laughs> if you only knew. All right. So I took Corey Davis and then next pick I picked took Chuba Hubbard. McCaffrey could be a broken man. I mean, he didn't survive last year. Maybe he's fine, but he's, he's pretty light. And this is, it's gotta be his backup. I think, I mean, I, I, you know, they drafted this guy in what, like the fourth round. He was a college star in 2019. So anyway, yeah, that's another no, yeah, yeah. Okay. No one, no the, one else there. I like it. Sure. Yeah. I took the Bucks defense because I want to get a good defense. I took Terrace Marshall, who I like because I like the I like the Carolina offensive brain trust. I think those coaches kind of know what they're doing, and there, you know, there's some mouths to feed there with McCaffrey back and more and Anderson. But Marshall, I think, could be the number three guy, or, you know, have a, a good role. So I took him. Took Tucker, you know, Ravens kicker, and then I just took Olamid Zacchaeus because I don't know that Justin Gage is going to beat him out. And then I took Gallman and, and Elijah Mitchell, your guys, just in case, because, you know, Sermon yeah, gets Sermon, hurt. Yeah, for or, sure. or, if, or if, you know, or if Mostert gets hurt, I mean, Sermon's not going to get bell cow probably right away. And, you know, Elijah Mitchell's crazy fast. He's kind of like Mostert. Mostert was a total nobody. Uh, and then I took Donovan Peoples-Jones yeah. because I, I think he made some big plays last year and second year guy. And I, you know, Beckham's always hurt. Landry's slowing down. I, I, I don't know. It was just sort of a flyer the last round. Yeah, Jeffrey Wilson went in around 15. He suffered a serious knee injury. So I like the Gallman uh, Mitchell uh, stashes. Uh, anyway, yeah, it looks like a good draft. Um, uh, solidly done, but definitely invite me uh, for beat Chrysalis too, for sure. I've been, I've been itching to get in one of these. So, so yeah. Yeah. You'll be, you'll be notified sometime in July when I'm in, in LA. We'll do it anyway. All right. Nice. Yeah. Well done. Taking yeah. patience to go through my draft, but I enjoyed it. It was a fun draft. Mostly I like knew exactly who to take. And like, I drafted like one second when it's my pick, but like the Hertz one, I like really wound the clock down. I almost never do that. Yeah. How about, uh, how's your baseball team's doing these days? You're catching up uh, to me in one of our leagues. I'm you're, catching you're up. Good. I mean, the, the, the first, I'm definitely going to lose that, that first one. I, that team, I just make bad moves and now Cole is falling apart. So I think that one's done that the first beat Chris list, but the other one, yeah, you're in like 32nd or 47th or something like that. 38th. And I'm up to 160 and it's crazy because you're still ahead of me in home runs, but I have Schwarber, Otani, Tatis, and Matt Olson on that team. So somehow the rest of my team is terrible because I have Glaber Torres and a couple other guys like that. But it's amazing that you're ahead of me in home runs. Yeah. I have Schwarber in the beat Jeff Erickson league. He's going going crazy at the leadoff spot. It's wild. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. And then the main event, which is good. You know, that team was at 39 points was in dead, dead last. It's now an 11th and it, it's got a lot of room to move up. Like if you look at like the steals, I've got 40 steals and the guy who's like, and I'm in like uh, tied for like 13th in steals, but the guy in like eighth or sixth has like 48 steals. So I just need a, you know, and my guys are, are, starting to get back and starting to hit. So I just need Soto hit a home run today. I just need like Soto and Glaber and Johan Moncada and Victor Robles. All these guys have done nothing. Robles hit a home run on my bench yesterday, which is the guys that hit a home run all year. And then he has a bruised foot or whatever. And so, you know, it's Monday and, and he's not in the lineup and you can't start him. You cannot start him. So of course I bench him and the next day it's his first home run of the year. It's just, it's a dick move, man. Yeah, I'm acutely aware about that. And he hasn't had a steal since June 9th. It's been very, very frustrating. And then he's sitting out today, too. So yeah. Well, I'm yeah. glad he's on my bench. So yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, yeah. So one other baseball note. Remember I asked you yesterday if you would start Rich Hill with the two-step versus oh, yeah. Ian Kennedy. <laughs> and so I put Hill in. But then, I, then the last minute, I put Kennedy back in. The last. Oh, second. okay, like, good, good. I, I, okay, thought, nice. I thought, you know what? 
I'm not feeling this. And at Toronto is really bad. And, and also something Derek Cardi said, he said the temperature is a big deal. So I looked at the temperature in the Nats game. Wind was blowing out eight miles an hour. The rotowire, uh, that, that, uh, projected. Oh yeah. The, uh, the lineup thing, the, the lineup, lineup, I, look at the so lineup. Yeah, I look at that every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so wind's blowing out eight miles an hour and it's 91 degrees and it's against like, you know, some heavy hitters in the top of the lineup. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it. Now he didn't get killed, but he didn't do anything helpful. He only struck out two guys. So no win, two strikeouts. Well, Kennedy got a save, right? And Kennedy got saved, but he gave up two runs. But still, oh, I'm, I'm fine with that. So now the Rich Hill outing was basically worthless because he got two stri- only positive things you could get are strikeouts and wins. He didn't get a win. He got two Ks, which is you know same amount as Kennedy got, I think. And then of course he had like I think Hill's uh, ERA will be moderately bad, not as bad as Kennedy's in one inning. But. but but now it's just sort of a one start week for Hill at Toronto, and I definitely would have sat him for a closer. Yeah. In that case, so. We'll see if he dominates Toronto. I won't, I'll be pissed, but I feel like I made the right call. Yeah. Well done. I was looking at that actually. I didn't realize Inkin, he gave up two runs. I saw that he got the save, but uh, nice, nicely done. Yeah. Cause at Toronto could be a beating too. That's right. a, that's a tough, could, one. I mean, good you never know, but yeah, it could be a horrible beating. If he gets up nine runs, I love it. Cause it's the only league I have him, and it would just be so great because it would torch everyone else. So yeah, it's, it's uh, crazy. All the, the sharp, uh, the, the, the spin rate drop. And I, it feels like offenses is about ready to go crazy when the summer months heat up. So to be exact, you're in 49th and I'm in 159th. So I still have a gap, but my batting average, um, has moved up. I'm at 254.1. You're at 258.1. So I can even catch, you know, I was at like 240 and the next guy was at like 245 at one point. Cause I had Hira and Kelnick who just were batting like 100 for me. But uh, so you got one at 49 and your other one. Let me take a look right now at 50. Wow. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, mine's still at in 18. first. I'm in mine's first. 18, in all those 1838. I'm in, I've got 1838 in that one. So that was, uh, I, I am in first in those things. I added Kelnick in two of the either, either both of you or either I'm in two with you and one with Jeff. I added Kelnick for a buck in two of the three this last Not mine, I kept Kelnick. I still have Kelnick. Okay. I added right. Hero. Okay, well, the, I added, I added back here in the one with us. So we're both making moves. I mean, I, my team has a chance to win it all. Like I'm at one fifty. You're at 50. Obviously have a better chance, but I mean, I've got Otani and Tatis and Schwarber and Matt Olson and Scherzer and Kershaw and Trevor Rogers and Lance Lynn. It's a loaded team. I, I, the only thing I didn't do that I now I'm regretting is I didn't have any early closers. I should have taken one of those Hendricks guys instead of Glaber Torres or one of someone like I that. I tried so. to talk you into that. I tried to tell you that. I was, I was against I, it. I, I was against I, it. I tried to. I don't I think I'm going to do it next year, but it was definitely would have worked out this year. No, I definitely am. Oh, Buxton. We haven't even talked about Buxton. I have him everywhere. What a joke. Yeah. I'm on. I think it was happened during my trip. Like, please hit like, what he returns two days later. He breaks his hand hit by a pitch. Like that guy is, oh, what did you say? Job? What was it? What's that? What did you made? You made, you said some tweet about uh, Buxton that was funny. Oh, I said, I said, Job is, is in yeah, awe of the yeah. calamities that Buxton has suffered. Yeah, it's exactly. just like, something's going on. I try to sell Stefani bill and she wasn't really buying it, but they're like, there's a psychological component to like, like, let's say like every, let's say you were Job, you know, like Buxton is Job and everything's just taken away from everything you try and you break your leg or you, you know, you, you have your big break to go on the air on the radio on, you know, some massive show and your, your mic breaks or your internet is down or, you know, your car breaks down before your dream job interview. Like every, I would just like ask myself what psychologically is going on with me that these things are being 
conjured into my life. And I know that might just be like some new age bullshit, but I would at least consider that like I was conjuring a reality that was interfering with my prospects. And so I just wonder like, is, is there some sort of psychological thing going on where he just like, doesn't want to be the MVP for some reason, or doesn't want to say some guilt or something. I mean, I know it's bullshit. I mean, it's all amateur. I don't, I don't really agree with this kind of psychologizing typically, but I just, it's at some point it's like, is it just luck or is it like, do people create their own sort of opportunities and luck and existence, you know? Yeah. It's so many one after another. It's just, uh, yeah, it's so frustrating. And he's been so good too when on, when playing. So yeah, super annoying. And my giants just lost back to back game. against the Dodgers. They keep losing to them, killing me. But, um, yeah, but I'm following on the overall. You're right. Offense is going to go up. These pitchers are Blake Snell. Can't get it together. Uh, Dylan Bundy's vomiting on the mound. Yeah. I don't know. Offense I had, but I picked up Bundy. Right. I thought I was super clever spending a lot of money on Bundy in one league. And I was not. All right. You got anything else baseball wise or, or football wise? No, I can't. I can't think of anything other than no, not sports wise. Just, uh, yeah. What do you got? You're John McAfee. What? Well, John McAfee, uh, he, he was, uh, he died in prison in, in Spain. The, the thing about him is like, it's not as clear as Epstein to me because who knows what he had or how crazy he was, but he definitely said, I'm not suicidal. If something happens to me, I was definitely murdered. And his wife apparently talked to him and was supposed to talk to him later. Um, and he gave no indication. And apparently everybody who knew him said, you know, his lawyer said there was no indication. So I don't know what happened, but it seems suspicious at the very least. Sir, first of all, I seriously am upset that I didn't like DM that guy more. Him, like, he literally followed me and thanked me for following right, him. Right, and right. and like, I should have, like, he's in prison. That guy would have, it's like, of you. All, he might not have done it. If, you, if you'd given him more uh, attention and uh, care as a fellow human being, he'd be alive today. But maybe if I sent him a Bitcoin, he would have got a better, better representation. I don't know. But as much as I do like to entertain alternative theories, I call it alternative. They're not a conspiracy theory. Oh, that's annoying. Point, we'll right? talk about that too. An alternative theory. Um, I'm actually followed whatever I'm actually leaning toward. This is not um, nefarious here. Actually. I know people point out to other things like he had a tattoo of whacked, but that was also right. his cryptocurrency. Right. Um, the, the last picture of him looked awful, like so emaciated, just so skinny, yeah. just terrible. And um, he was just kind of beaten and his lawyers, uh, they kind of weirdly blamed it. They're like, basically said a 75 year old man in prison for, for those uh, crimes. That's why the U S killed him is kind of what he said, but you're right. The wife said that too. Um, but, um, oh, and then other latest reports also that there was a suicide uh, note reportedly in his pocket, but who's to say if you can believe that also, but anyway, my right. guy, John McAfee, very sad uh, to see him die. And also just Occam's razor. He was uh, going to be uh, extradited. You know, that's, then, that's when he did it, in, you in know, a real I mean, max, so, max security. Right. Hell. So he did not want to go to the U S obviously. So it sucks, man. I mean, he was, he was super entertaining. He was on Corolla pod. I discovered like a, a 18 months ago and he's like, I haven't paid taxes in how many years? I mean, he's wild. His wife. So, he, the, uh, his wife, the first time he came back to the U S in like many years, his wife met him that night. She was a prostitute and it supposedly had been paid by a mob for the first two years to spy on him. He found out about it. We knew that she was in a tough situation and literally loved her. And it was like a love story. Like this guy and a bunch of people talk about making a movie about him. I mean, it's a wild story, but, um, yeah, no, he's John McAfee, uh, rest in peace. Interesting thing. One more thing to say. Sorry, there's a lot of people think that there's a he has a dead man switch, quote unquote. Right. 
which is something that gets activated after that. He says he has a lot of files on people like the corruption and all that stuff and uh, Epstein ties and all that. Who knows? Um, but and then the other and then uh, his Instagram switched to Q right when right. he died. But it's unclear who runs that. And right. it's the, the, the Q and on people have it out either way, because either this dead man switch is going to activate or he got away. You know, like he paid, he paid someone off and he's alive. That's why the dead man switch wasn't activated is because, you know, he paid off someone and they faked his death and he's, he's alive. He escaped or whatever. But anyway, it's just, it's, it's fantastical and a nice little segue for you to talk about the quote unquote, uh, conspiracy theories and critical thinking and, and you going nuts on, 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 on a nice thread and, and, and back and forth the Twitter discussion. Yeah, I had a, I had a bunch, a couple of big threads today. I just got you know inspired to talk about it because I was feeling like it should be said. But I want to, I just want to back up. Before that, I was posting about how I watched the Bourne Ultimatum with Sasha, and you know, in the Bourne movies, basically the CIA is trying to kill Jason Bourne, their own agent, because they think he's gone rogue and it's going to expose the misdeeds that they've done. You know, having this kill assassination program that you know they'll get arrested and in trouble for. And I was thinking about how when you watch a Bourne movie, there's like no suspension of disbelief required. There isn't like how badass he is because you're like, wow, I mean, nobody could get away with all this. But there's no suspension of disbelief in, wow, the CIA is really trying to kill him? I mean, he's one of theirs. Don't they want to talk to him? Nobody has to suspend disbelief. Immediately, you're like, of course the CIA would kill him. Everybody knows the CIA would kill him or they don't doubt it. So like why when, you know, the New York Times reporter says intelligence sources say so-and-so, people are like, oh, intelligence is reporting this. They're willing to kill people to cover things up. Of course, they're willing to lie to newspapers as they have so many times. Why is like sources say, intelligence sources say, not just laughed at? Like that's just, you know, just presumed ridiculous and no basis whatsoever. And then I was just thinking of it in the John McAfee situation. I was like, people like, oh, no, they wouldn't just kill him. You know, he's not like a murderer. He's just like, a, well, he was accused of it. But people are like, oh, the government wouldn't conspire against us. The thing is like, historically, think about what governments have done to their people. Think of what people in power have done to keep power, to secure profits. I mean, it is so monstrous what has happened in human history. I mean, every era of history, the 20th century most recently, and even going around, around the world, like, you know, the Saudi prince, like what he does, he, behead, you know, he chopped up that guy. I mean, the idea that like, oh, our, our leaders or our elites, like they would never do that. Like, isn't that just incredibly naive? Like, shouldn't we presume that as long as they could get away with it, as long as it served their interests, they would do virtually anything. Yeah, I, I kind of just passed up that McAfee may or may not have murdered his uh, neighbor who got in a dispute over his dogs uh, at one point. But um, yeah, I hear you in watching Born, the Bourne films. Yeah, there's no suspension of disbelief needed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at this point, I could accept anything. So yeah, that is, that's not, not ideal. But people, don't, people are just like, oh, that's a conspiracy. What, what they mean by that, and we'll get into that, is, okay, the literal thing is people are making a plan in secret to, that they're going to act out. Now, clearly conspiracies exist. Anytime a couple of people plan to do something behind closed doors, even as a corporation, the opioid crisis, these are all conspiracies. These are all conspiracy to commit this crime or to do this act. Conspiracies happen all the time. Conspiracy is just people secretly meeting to plan out an action. I mean, the governments, the CIA, like their job is to be planning conspiracies i mean what that's their that's the i mean so of course anything the cia does is a conspiracy and so if you have a theory about what the cia does or intelligence does it's conspiracy and then if you add in that historically uh people are willing to do the most nefarious things then 
you should be, of course, thinking that they're conspiring to do horrible things to you. That should be like the, the baseline. Now, specifically what they're doing, um, if you don't have good evidence for it, that it's not, it's not, the problem isn't that it's a conspiracy theory. The problem is a conspiracy theory without evidence, a conspiracy theory without merit. Your theory hasn't been validated by the facts. You, there's no, you know, if you're QAnon, uh, and I don't even know what they believe, and I think that's another total, such a, a cop-out when people bring that up, uh, but I don't know what they believe because I don't give a shit. But the point is, if they don't have facts to support the theory, then okay, it's, it's not, the problem isn't the conspiracy theory. That's fine. In fact, you should have many theories. You should have many conspiracy theories. They, they, they conspired uh, to have a, a sex trafficking ring that involved Bill Clinton and Bill Gates. That's a fact. And that the guy apparently, I mean, assuming he's dead, got murdered in jail and they covered it up. To me, it just seems like the most, that's a conspiracy theory, but it's a very well-supported conspiracy theory. So I think people need to stop saying conspiracy theory. No, no, no. People do conspire and they do bad things. It's just, is there evidence for it? That's the only criterion we should be talking about. Yeah, I forget the reasoning behind that term, even conspiracy theory, but it was some nefarious reason that the CIA created or something. But um, yeah, that's why I just said use the word alternative theory, just a different way of thinking about an alternate uh, option. But yeah, yes, right. It's a horrible um, connotation with that term. Yeah, well, they've done that on purpose. And same with QAnon, which almost feels like a psyop, which is like, let's have such an absurd group. Right. So, and can, any, yeah. so anytime you're like, well, um, why um, are, did we not get information on ivermectin? Like, why are they suppressing that? Or why did we not know about the lab leak for a year? Why was that suppressed? And people were calling you conspiracy. Oh, QAnon, dude. Oh, you're QAnon. It's just a way of just being like, LOL, QAnon. It, it's not engaging with the, with the reality at all. And so basically, I made this tweet thread that was like, okay, we're at World War III right now. It's World War III. But the World War is legacy media, the central banks, the, the World Economic Forum with the Great Reset, the National Security State, CIA, FBI, both political parties with very few exceptions, you know, the, the Chinese Communist Party and irreparably compliant people. That's one side. And the other side is most small business owners, independent journalists, independent thinkers, Bitcoiners scientists who actually are doing things against their career interests to get the truth out, cranks, misfits, people who don't subscribe to the, you know, the religion du jour. That's kind of on the other side. And there's a battle going on. And basically the battle's fought with information. It's fought with bits, you know, bits of information. And so you, you understand why they're trying to censor stuff and deplatform people. Cause that's like taking away weapons. That's like knocking out. That's like the aircraft carrier flying over the, the missile silo and bombing it and taking it out. They're trying to take out that source of that source of weaponry. And then, so we're battling over the mind space and what are we battling over? Well, we're battling over the majority of people, but a lot of people are just living their lives. They know something super weird that we're locking down and masks and all these restrictions for something that there's not bodies in the streets, right? Like if there's a pandemic, like in those movies, like contagion, Oh, you and I would be in our house, you know, hazmat suit being like, dude, whatever, you know, just, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not doing it. You wouldn't need the government to tell you to stay home. You'd be like, I see two of my friends are dead. You're holed up in your house being like, Holy shit. You know, everybody, you know, half the people, you know, are dead. And that kind of pandemic, right? You don't need the government telling you to lock down. You don't need shit. You're going to be locking the hell down yourself. But a, but a situation where, you know, I mean, if you didn't watch TV or have the internet, like it wouldn't, you know, I don't know anybody. Now I know there are obviously people who died and people do know people who died, but it's not like 
three of your cousins and two of your friends and 10 people in the industry. It's not like that kind of pandemic. So there's many people who are living their lives, doing their fantasy sports or doing what they do. And they're a little bit like something's a little weird going on. You know, a lot of people I think think that they're not like, this is some sort of nefarious conspiracy or this is some sort of evil plan, but they know that like, it's a little weird that like they're ordering you to lock down. And it just seems a bit weird. I think most people feel it's weird. And I feel like those people are still kind of critical thinking a little bit. They don't want to think about it. Obviously you want to trust your government and trust the institutions of society. It's, it's very stressful. If you start to go down the road of like, do these people care about me or do they want to make money or do they want to control me? Like what's you know, that's not a pleasant space to dwell in. And most people don't want to deal with that. So they're living their lives. And so I think there's a battle for like, and, and I don't know how, you know, integrated it is or how overt it is, but there's a battle between those who want to have more government control and lockdown and keep you afraid and have more contact tracing and more surveillance and tell you what you're allowed to say and what you have to do outside and when you can leave your house. And those who are, you know, like, no, this is fucked up. And there's the people that the, the battlefield is the minds of people who are sort of something's not quite right, but I don't know what it is. And I think that's sort of what we're fighting over when enough people, you know, realize or decide, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm just paranoid, but enough people decide that, no, this is fucked up. I don't like my liberties curtailed because of a virus that I'm, you know, that's not like an integral part of my life, you know, then maybe the, the, the tide turned. I just felt like I wanted to say something and be like, look, I feel like we're in this battle over information, like information, how to treat the virus as being suppressed. They're, they're hyping this Delta variant. Like it's, the apocalypse. And then the, the data in England is like, yeah, most of the people who are, who got COVID recently all have the Delta variant. And it's like 1%, you know, the, the death rate and the hospitalization rate didn't go up. I saw that. I don't know if that's true, but I saw that it was a 99.9% recovery rate, the Delta yeah. variant, but I, I don't know if that's true. Um, anyway. Yeah. I hear. I, yeah. Okay. Well, well said. Nice, nice rant lists. Um, the, yeah. And then the, the whole uh, do your own research uh, getting mocked was a weird pushback too. But I guess yeah, that's so, what so that, we are. So that was so then like Davis Maddock responded and he was like saying, like, you know, how are you are you the how are you the arbiter of truth? And I'm not. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. Like it could just be like just ineptitude and just sort of not wanting to look bad, genuinely not understanding and panicking. Well, I don't know. I, it just seems like there's too many things. They're they're literally censoring things. So it, to me, it goes beyond that. But whatever. What if I'm wrong? And I basically said, yeah, no, I'm not the arbiter of truth you know, everybody's truth, but I'm the arbiter of truth for my life, right? I'm going to make my decisions, what to say, what to think, my risk tolerance. I was very risk averse early when I didn't feel like I knew much about the virus or what could happen. And he was basically trying to imply like, think for yourself or do your own research was somehow a right-wing thing, or it's like somehow it's been politicized, but it's like, no, dude, you must think for yourself. And then, and then the, the retort is always like, well, you don't have a PhD in epidemiology or you don't know, you're not a scientist and all this. And I'm like, what happens in a jury trial, right? Jury trial, you're an ordinary dude. And the, the prosecution makes its case by what? They call up expert witnesses and the expert testifies. And the defense calls up his expert witnesses and he testifies. And the ordinary dude in the jury box decides, makes the verdict. So we, it's good enough for a court of law. We don't just say, oh, it's an expert just decides who's guilty or not. No, we, we have ordinary people evaluate expert testimony. That's how we do it. Why are you not, as an ordinary person, just evaluating the expert research, uh, uh, evaluating the expert testimony, so to speak, 
for your own life? Why would you outsource that and just say, oh, whatever the expert says, this particular expert, because I just believe that. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I hear you. Bless. I don't, yeah, it's, it, it is weird that it, it, you are labeled that if you go the, the, the one route. Um, I know, and everything we've just seen as far as, is science quote unquote over the past 18 months. Uh, if, if, I mean, if there's anything you should have learned, it's to question, question everything. And I don't know, verify. <laughs> um, yeah, these I don't guys, know. These guys are acting like when you're like, do your own research, they mean set up a nuclear lab in your, in your living room and, and figure out split the atom. But I'm like, dude, if, if the question is whether to launch a nuclear attack on another country, I don't need to like split the atom to have my opinion on that and say, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't need to be a nuclear science to have an opinion, a nuclear scientist to have an opinion on whether we should launch a nuke. I don't need to be an epidemiologist to decide what my risk tolerance is going outside. I, it's just, it's like so absurd. And, and this is a technocratic society. They want experts to just tell us what to do, right? Rather than a democratic society where experts have to report their findings to the people and the people through their elected representatives. Of course, that's a farce now decide what to do. We decide what to do. The, 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 you know, our elected representatives decide what to do on our behalf, technically. It's not experts. These people want to totally get rid of any responsibility to, to decide anything and leave it in the hand of experts. It's, it's just like, it's so childish. You're a grown-up. You're a citizen. You must decide. You cannot just uh, abdicate responsibility like that. I hear you. And it does seem like there's a different set of rules. You're right, though. It's how, how, you, would, how you would use this, this aspect Versus a jury trial or whatever example you gave, it does seem to be the case. Yeah, I mean, it's it just how did it become politicized to say, why don't you critically think for yourself and do research and, and, and go to the experts and use their testimony, so to speak, so that you can properly evaluate it? I, I just, I don't, this is like, it's so twisted that there's people who, if you say, do your own research, they're like, oh, QAnon, LOL. Like, how did that, this is so fundamentally backward. And I will say, man, if you outsource your beliefs to experts or anybody else, then, you know, don't exercise critical thought. Then if I want to control you, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, oh, he's completely outsourced his thinking to these experts. All I have to do is position certain experts and have them, you know, advise these people who are completely in their thrall in such a way that benefits me. So if I want you, if I want to make a whole bunch of people do something, it's very hard to do that if they're all critical thinkers, because they're going to evaluate everything that's being said. But if I, if they're all just seated their expertise to whatever expert du jour is up there, I'll put Dr. Fauci up there and, and I'll have him advise them to do what I want. And therefore you're at great risk of being manipulated and exploited by somebody because you've just seated your critical thinking. And, and I think this is what is actually happening is that people are seeding their critical thinking because they think, Oh, I'm not an epidemiologist. And so that, that, you know, anybody who, who's in power, who wants to exploit them and manipulate them easily can. Um, all right. I was trying to find something I couldn't and just distracting me, but it'd probably get me in trouble anyway. What about this? The, uh, the, the I saw that uh, among 92,000 news consumers surveyed in 46 countries, the U S linked last in media trust. A survey a pointer. Is there? Is that like encouraging? Or I mean, I mean, what? I mean, at least that. I mean, that's interesting, right? I mean, that, obviously it's horrible, but I mean, at least the the. Well, it's good. The, it's the good. Skepticism exists. Yeah, the skepticism exists. They've betrayed the trust, and if somebody betrays your trust, it's good that you don't trust them, right? I mean, that's that's as it should be. We we should not be trusting people who 
are not trustworthy and that's what's happening and that's good that's it makes me want to go back to the u.s portugal is very trusting of the media and i have people talk to me all the time about u.s politics and they just get the total establishment level view of it i try not to get too um you know i i have to realize like they're just they just believe what they see on tv all right well well said um well well what were you trying to look for uh, there was some head of medicine guy talking this, basically just claiming that all the that you can just you just pay off. You follow the money. The the pharmaceutical companies just 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 pay off the people, whoever you know what 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 wants to be said. It's just all it's just funneled from the pharmaceutical companies just down well, basically. So like all me- medical professionals and and and, and doctors and and just I forget exactly who he was. But I wanted to say, but he was some like French. Like I, I'm I'm too many too much crap uh, bookmarked. But um I, I was yeah. Anyway, I'll find it and send it to you later. So, th- so there's uh, and I know my guy Mark, Mark Garagos, you know my my, my good buddy, uh, Twitter follower. Uh, he he says it's just, I mean, it is a joke as far as uh, on the stand. It's just a hundred percent who you. Pay. Oh, they just make I up. Mean, it is, oh, he admits that so much. It's just, I mean, it's a thousand percent. It's just who's who's paying whom. I mean, it's just right. that the experts up on the stand is theater. I mean, it's that's right. just a joke. Right. I mean, it's so, a joke. It's it's a joke. Yeah, no, I believe you, but but and. Just consider this, like, so they showed like the board of Pfizer is the same guy who's on the board of Reuters and they're on the boards of like NBC or whatever. I, these guys are all an interlocking board. So pharma and media are controlled by the same people. So, you know, I mean, the information you're getting is in their interest. I mean, everybody wants to have a certain message. You look at the opioid crisis, you know, that was a different pharmaceutical company, but like all these people got killed. Like there, I just wish people would understand that historically big business and, you know, powerful people and governments have not historically really looked out for the average person at all. I mean, not at all. It is the vast exception to think that your government or, or these big businesses care about you at all. I mean, they're almost always looking to exploit you, looking to benefit from letting you, you know, getting you to buy something and getting you to do something that they want. And I just... Oh, the small businesses were destroyed the last 18 months. That's what's hit yeah. the hardest for the small businesses. I mean, they were just hit so hard. People's presumptions should almost be like they're trying to have their way at any cost. And the, that should be the presumption and if something is good, they've done something nice, a big business, um, that should be like, are they really doing something nice? And if you have to really find evidence that they are in like a deep way and then be like, wow, that's surprising. They did a nice thing. Cause that's like almost never the case. It's just, it's just the truth. I mean, small businesses are different. They have relationships with customers. They, I, I actually think that's like the backbone of, of the country mostly. I got one more thing. I know we're running long, but, uh, you know what the Cantillion? You know what the Cantillion effect is? I mean, I've read. I uh, explain it. I know that uh, I'm aware so, of it, but I can't re- re- recount it very well. So it means when there's like money put into the system from the government, money printing or you know lending or oh, it goes to the top at first. Right. It goes to the top. Yeah. First, right? they have access to it, right? If you're BlackRock, you're borrowing at like zero percent, and you're going to borrow all this money, you're going to buy up all the houses, and then all this money is going to flood the system because all those people you bought the houses from are going to have more money. And they're going to spend it, and the system's going to have more dollars, and then the price in dollars of everything's going to go up. And so you, and then your houses are going to go up because you just you already own them, and now they're, all the assets are rising with the extra money supply. And then finally, wages are going to go up at the very end. But at that point, the, they've been so diluted that yeah, okay, you got a twenty dollar, you were paying twenty an hour, now you're getting twenty five an hour. But a house went from four hundred thousand to six hundred thousand, and so you're 
you're farther away from buying the house, even with your raised wage. You're farther away from buying a share of Apple stock, which goes up so much, even with your raised raised wage. Okay, fine. Cantillion effect sounds technical. Oh yeah, that's unfair. Okay, like okay, fine. But it dawned on me, it's not just some like technical thing. What's actually going on? Because printing money doesn't grow the pie. If I built like some incredible solar-powered water desalinizer that made fresh water out of the ocean, you know, for free and delivered it somehow to everybody's door, or I, I created some sort of teleport machine that worked that, you know, people could now, they don't have to spend money or time on travel. That would grow the pie. That would grow everybody's happiness and lifestyle and everything else. Okay. That would be growing the pie, but printing money obviously doesn't grow the pie. It's the, it's the same amount of stuff being done. It's just, there's just more money in the system. So it's just redistribution. And as we pointed out, the redistribution is from the poor to the rich, from those who hold assets, from those who hold cash up to those who hold assets, or those who depend on a cash wage to those who uh, earn from assets. So like, what really is that? Like, it's, it's theft. They're like literally stealing from middle class and poor people and giving it to even richer people. And they're stealing your time. Like you worked an hour to get X percentage of an asset, a house, an Apple stock. And now you got to work twice that much to get the same thing or one and a half times as much. They're stealing your time, your life. You only trade your time. You trade your time to offer value, to make money, to have the things you need, and hopefully to have some surplus so you can have some discretionary things that you really want. And they're stealing that your life's time from you. They're taking it from you. They're physically taken from you as if they went into your bank and deleted your account. I mean, they are, they are diluting people. They're stealing. And this is causing all kinds of problems because as the dollar gets uh, less and less valuable and you've got to keep buying stuff, it incentivizes consumption and consumption uh, pollution and incentivizes all the most destructive behaviors while stealing from the poorest people. And like, so this, this sort of money printing, this inflationary system that we have that it must inflate 2% a year, otherwise everything's going to collapse, is the root of all the evil. It is the source of all of this, all of the strife. Instead of growing, they're stealing. Anyway, I just, it just hit me like the, the extent of the evil of what's going on that just seems like business as usual. You know, some places in LA, the gas was over $5 when I was down there. Um, yeah. just, just wild. Uh, the third richest guy in China... Um, I don't know if you saw this interview this last week, but he came out really bullish in Bitcoin and he just, he said, fiat is a true joke. Uh, it used to be no, it's one Mexico. Equals, the richest guy in Mexico. What did I say? China. what I said? Sorry, Mexico. China. I met Mexico. I met Mexico. Sorry. One in one dollar was 20 pesos and now it's 20,000 pesos. Sorry. I met Mexico. Um, I was going to get to China with the miners next, yeah. uh, is what I was going with next. Yes. The third richest man in, in, in Mexico, uh, said fiat is a total joke. I mean, just, a, it's a, it's comical it, again, one in 20 and now it's one in 20,000 pesos, just maneuver it however they want. Um, so yeah, he's, you know, he says, uh, store of value Bitcoin, but, um, yeah, I know this, the prices are out of control. There's a different for shipping containers that used to be 3000 are now 20,000 overnight. Um, all kinds of stuff. Stuff, uh, and they're going to occur in the next few weeks. I feel like that are that are unknown. We can't really quantify yet. Well, I feel like the housing market right now is a scary thing. I mean, that is. I mean, big corporations scooping up all that. I mean, that that's 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 a real. I mean, Gates has not, all the. He's bought two hundred thousand acres of farmland. I mean, the mo- biggest yeah. farm farm owner in America is Bill Gates. So I also had this thought that, you know, how do the few make things so miserable for the many? And I was like, well, they use levers. They use levers of control. So if you make it so that if a doctor says one thing, he's done. If a doctor says another thing, he's promoted and paid well. 
you just create incentives in, in the medical schools. Harvard had a scandal where like the farmer reps are basically dictating the courses. All kinds of stuff has happened like that. And you just like put some incentives in place, you know, in the media ecosystem, in the medical ecosystem, in the government ecosystem. And then once those incentives are in place, everybody sort of does what they're incentivized to do. So that's how they do it, right? That's how the few control the many. They, they, they just lever it. They put levers in place of incentives. And I was like, okay, that's the problem is they've gotten their incentives put into a structure that is really nasty incentives. But what thing has built-in incentives that can just take all that down? Bitcoin? Yes. Think about the incentives, right? The incentives are to sit by this with the inflating currency and that can't be inflated. And when that happens, there's a race, you know, as we talked about El Salvador's first and there's talk about Paraguay and Tanzania and a bunch of other countries. And then eventually, you know, a lot, you know, Tesla's in there, but maybe there'll be other corporations coming in, but there's a race at a certain point to get in. And then what happens, right? Then the Bitcoiners become very, very rich and powerful. So imagine if Bitcoin was $10 million a coin, how much money the, the Bitcoiners would actually have. You know, not the Cantillion insiders that can print and give themselves money and need to rig a system that props them up, but hard money that basically sucks out the bubble from the system and into its own network. And then you have this, this virtuous cycle where people are incentivized to save, poor people can store money, they can't be debased. We have a whole different system of incentives that undo all the terrible incentives built into our system. So that's why it gives me a lot of hope because you can't fight against the forces that are arrayed against you. You can't just fight them. They're, they're very powerful. But once incentives come into, you know, into play, I do think it can actually just, to just turn this thing upside down, just suck the lifeblood out of it, just suck the energy out of it, the monetary energy out of the system and into a parallel system that's much more just. Anyway, that gives me hope. No. No, the foresight of Satoshi, this is, is, is pretty incredible. Uh, what we saw into the future, but the, um, yeah, there's been an unprecedented amount of FUD over the past couple months in the media. And now China being essentially banning it and all the miners having to leave hash rate, whatever difficulty adjustment, 25%. And yet, you know, not chaos. I mean, it's kind of crazy. The, hopefully, you know, it doesn't break. It makes it stronger. It's kind of what it seems like, right? I mean, it seems pretty incredible what's been happening lately and lightning and is getting more and more and, and, and taproot and all that stuff. I mean, it's really seeming an exciting future, but I know the price itself has not been great. I mean, it's not what we want to see, but I don't even, I mean, whatever, I mean, whatever. 30, 34, 850 right now, as we do this podcast, I think Chinese miners had to sell a lot to like just get out and get some money out of it. So that was part of it, I think. That's what I heard. But the other thing that's really good about this, as you said, I think what would have been really devastating if like the US and China together like shut this thing down or like three countries that... Now we should take this as a, oh, they just made a glaring mistake and take advantage of it. A A China screwed up, I think, big time. He's going to bring a lot more wealth and power to the US. So that's good, right, geopolitically. So that, that's just a good thing. The second thing is a nation state tried to attack it and it survived. So that's, that's even like more confidence in it. Like you say, oh, nation states can kill it. The thing that might have not, I don't know if it kill it, but really dealt it a severe blow would be if the U.S. and China shut it down simultaneously, right. how much hash rate it would lose and make a third country that has a lot of hash rate, wherever that is. They all three shut it down. It would really stretch. I think it would stretch. But now you, you're going to, the, the, hash, the hash power is going to move to the U.S. and other countries. And that was one of the main arguments was that this is controlled by China, you know, and now obviously the opposite is true. 
Yeah, so that argument is dead. Chinese coal plants, that's dead. Uh, that, that environmental fund is dead. But yep. now it's going to get all restored maybe in a couple months. And it's going to, again, be that much harder to take down by any one place. They didn't coordinate the takedown. Like the only way to kill it would be to coordinate the takedown. It might not kill it, but it might really cripple it for a long time. From like five, the five biggest countries, then the hash rate would be so low. But one of them's already out, and that hurdle's cleared. And obviously, it's surviving just fine with that. So I don't know. I thought that was like really good news, like on so many fronts. No, no doubt. Before we know it, it'll be another happening. It's crazy. I, and, and I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I don't want to speculate on price because uh, who the hell knows. But I, I just think like once this thing starts running this summer, I, I, just, I don't know where because it's going to go on another run up probably. And it might stop at 45 or 50, but it go to 100. I don't know where it's going to stop. Like once it gets going and the hash rates restored, and, you know, these billionaires are all getting into it now. And the, that billionaire in Mexico, like, countries are in it. I don't know, man. I, I think if, if El Salvador has a good story to it, I mean, holy crap, other countries are going to be on it. I, so I, I'm extremely bullish. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you for being on here. I know you were really big into Robert Breedlove's bit clout. And you had the rug pulled from, uh, <laughs> under you. But uh, you're yeah, still yeah. here. You, you, you've dusted yeah. yourself off. And I'm, I'm proud of you. So you're just back to, just being, back to Bitcoin. You, know, you learned your lesson. And now you're back to, to Bitcoin. All right, good funny is that dude i don't even know i mean I, I don't know why he was doing that i don't think it was that big of a deal but they destroyed that poor guy that guy's like this very serious philosophical type of dude he's very deep thinking oh i listened to him for four hours on lex friedman listen to him for four yeah. hours on podcast. but yeah. but they just fucking took the hammer to him like those like nasty bitcoin maxis that i felt bad for oh yeah I mean, whatever i mean and yeah. if he really did donate the 40 grand to maybe too i don't know if he did that after the fact or whatever but, like, but uh yeah i understand it's like the immune system of Bitcoin and it's harsh, you know, but it got really, that really got, got it. Maybe it's necessary, but it seemed pretty harsh. There's one other thing I was going to say. Oh, uh, we closed on that property finally from 10 months ago on Friday. Oh, congratulations. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Wow. One, Only one, a one, mere one, 10 months, 10 and a half months, 10 months. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. I own like 40 fruit trees. I own like 20 olive trees, some fig trees, peach tree, cherry yeah. tree, walnut tree. So we're going to go there on Friday and just like with a basket of fruit and we're going to do like a, a call with our architect and like start, you know, planning out some shit, but it's going to take a long time before it's actually habitable, but it's, that's uh, awesome. I want to see pictures and tell me like what kind of cherries and I'm in, in walnuts. I'm interested. We'll see, the figs uh, won't oh, be figs. ready yet, but the figs, figs won't are great until like another month, but it nice. will be in the States. But anyway, it's kind of cool. nice. exciting. Congrats. So this is the first, the very, the first one that, that the we first, were, you're talking the about. The first one, the original one, there's another okay. one that's pending. And that's different. So now what's the next BS? What is the, how long is this going to take now? Well, I mean, yeah, this is just buying the thing, right? Like now we're talking about like permits to build. I think like the original house that's there, you can restore it without really much permission, but there's a ruin on the property too, that you can also build on. And that will take a decent amount of bullshit. I I just, am going to tell them, let's do the plans for the ruin now. So while we're building the other one, we can start getting that going. But unfortunately it's been harder to stack because all my money is tied up in this. Yeah, yeah, sure. I can, you know, these are going to be very expensive houses by the time the opportunity cost is uh, factored in. All right, no doubt. No, congratulations, though. That's a long time coming. Thanks. Yeah, I want to we'll see, see some pictures. I just hope yeah. Portugal doesn't devolve into a police state because it's a very compliant place and the cases are going up again here. And Yeah, well, I do hear everyone bragging about Portugal being tax-free in Bitcoin, and I do happen to think it of is, the, it is. Was this, the long, was this Liz's, Liz's long game? I mean, wow, what the foresight of this guy. 
I wish I were that smart, but I'm pretty sure that a I pay taxes in the U.S. I still have I have this like okay. really good situation where I can pay U.S. taxes and live here. So I'm on the hook for all my U.S. taxes. And secondly, I think the U.S. unless you were to like renounce your passport still gets your capital gains. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I got to talk to my accountant. I so, got you. It's all moot. It's not like you're selling it for fiat anyway. It's all moot anyway. Who cares? Right. And they're never selling. You yeah. can't be a sellout if you never sell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. Good, good all stuff. Right. All right. I miss you. And I'm going to miss you now. In the next couple why, weeks. Why, why aren't you going to Vegas? Are you going to Vegas or not? What's the, deal? I mean, I, I just did this. I'll give you a free room. Busy. I know. I appreciate that. Dude, Although it's, in like, it's like yeah. in a week and a half. It's not even that soon. It's, you know, I know. I know. I just did the Disneyland trip. I'll work on it. I really wish there was like a live draft. I've been just like kind of crowding your guys' road to wire trip. There was no, another no, draft. that's not true. That's not true. All right. I'll crowd the road to wire trip. Okay. First I'll, of all, I got, I got two. I'm telling you, I got two queen beds. I was going to change it to a king bed if you're not coming, but you can, you can just crash there, man. It's free. I got to hit up Ted Bell too. He has like a, uh, some property around there. If he's in town too, we could go, uh, go, go yeah. do our thing while you do your, your company stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. 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 And whatever people will be going off doing stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Is, and- is Andre going? I don't know. I don't know. I think he told me maybe I'm not sure. Okay. I, I would think no. Cause usually he's like all in. So yeah. I don't know. Well, um, I do miss you guys, and I do definitely make sense. Dude, just go. I gotta, really, t- I gotta yeah, tell I people though. Forever. I gotta tell people. I know, I know. Okay, I know. You I know. coming? Lotus, Lotus, so you're Sam. Lotus, so I go there three yeah, times. No, so dude, you're in. Uh, no, you're in. Okay, <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, you're in. I'll, I'll, I'll work on yes. it. Yes, yes. All right. Okay. See you in Vegas, dude. I'm not. Oh, by the way, so people know. Ah, shit! I forgot to do the ad thing, so I'm gonna squeeze it in. We gotta start it over. Run it back. First off, we're not doing it next week, and I'm not gonna do two weeks. It might be three weeks to this podcast. I think. People live without it and then be every week throughout the end of football season, assuming the apocalypse does not happen. And then secondly, was I going to say, oh yeah, if you like this podcast, you can subscribe, rotoware.com slash pod, free 10 days. You can say that the podcast helped you decide if you want. You, you know, forget about the podcast. It's really great for fantasy sports. All the football projections are there, all the rankings, all that other stuff. All right, rotowire.com slash pod. All right, man, you got anything else? We got to sign up for the super contest too. That's another reason to go to Vegas. Yeah, you got to go. Dude. You, you got to actually go. do a proxy there. Yeah, um, interesting. All right. No, the only thing I had written down was uh, it's called Exit Scam. It's a podcast about this uh, this guy, a twenty year old, was running the biggest uh, Canada Bitcoin exchange, and he may or may not have faked his own death, and yeah. and all the Bitcoin has gone. So it's, it's a real Exit man. Scam. It's, that's a real yeah. man. Yeah, it's good. It's Exit Scam. It's called its podcast. That's all I got, man. Good talk, Lex. Good, good stuff, man. Later, man. Good stuff, man. Take it easy, Don.